You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. for being here today. I'm so thrilled to see each and every one here because I'm a big fan. Oh, I'm sitting likewise. here with Carrie Butler and <laughs> Nell Benjamin and Tanya Pinkins and we're at Sardi's restaurant in the heart of the theater district. <laughs> My favorite place, almost, yeah, pretty much up there. Uh, you know, they don't have opening nights here as much anymore. No. I mean, I've had a lot of celebrations here. It's like my life flashes before me, really, when I come here. But that's okay. So that's why I want to bring it back here. And um, here we are. And look at you. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> they've, they've given us a set. Isn't this adorable? Mm -hmm. They've lifted the, put adorable. us on the stage. Mm -hmm, Another mm -hmm. element I just want to share with you before we jump in um, is this table was Vincent Sardi's family table. Mm. Oh. And, they, and they, this is just, I, they, they, they use it. Really, really, for just and the first I love show, that we you and I. they didn't have a uh, a cover and uh, um, and it was kind of like a work of art with all mm -hmm. the doodlings and scratches. Oh, oh yeah, and, and then I think Max came in and said, "We don't like. We want to have a really <laughs> nice restaurant look." So. Nice. Anyway, Carrie Butler. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I had to take notes as I said because, I mean, every time I know that you're in a show, I have to see it because you are so wonderful. Oh my goodness, you thank are. you. No, I mean, and, and, and I'm a big fan because uh, right now you're in Beetlejuice. Yes. And I was there. I think it was just before it opened. Oh. And how was that tech? How oh did my you gosh. Do that? Well, the tech actually was very smooth, but. There is a lot of uh, magic and so it's, much. it's scary. So much going <laughs> Not gonna lie to you. But you know, <laughs> first 15 did minutes. you see that the show yet? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God! And you know, this was an early audience, but they were people that were had been there many times already. You yeah, had, the audience dresses up. Yes, they go yes. bananas like yeah. every night, so it's fun. So. Um, and you and meeting you yesterday for the first time was a thrill in a special way because of your podcast too. Oh yes, yes, I just started. Yeah, yeah. what is the name of that? Um, it's called Breaking Broadway, and it's really because I get asked on my Instagram every day 
how do I make it in the business? What, what do I do? So it's fun. I'm just interviewing people uh, like casting directors and agents and really from a grounds up so people who don't live anywhere near the city will know how to find out about auditions, how right. we made it. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay, so I'm just going to, we've got Blood Brothers, was that your first That was, that was my first, first show? show, yeah. And then two years of Beauty and the Beast, you went from that to Les Mis and Bat Boy, yeah. which I'm really sorry I missed seeing oh, that. Oh, yeah, it was great. And uh, Bat I remember. Boy, like Bat Boy from Weekly World News. Yes, exactly. yes. Nell's the husband wrote That's right. Yeah. Did you meet them? My husband wrote, did, did Lawrence article and Keith. From, B, from Bat no, Boy? No, no, they, um, but uh, two people he was working with at the Actors Gang uh, saw this article. were like, there should be a play about him. Uh, and maybe we should have some music. And Larry said, no, there should be a musical oh, about wow. him. So they developed it uh, all together. And Carrie was very wow. amazing. Wow. That's a, it's wow. a great show. I, yeah, it's I a just great started show. writing for weeks. And then I saw Xanadu. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. And you, were, and you learned how to skate in that show? I did. I did. Wait, what you didn't the... already know how to skate? No. When they called up, they were like, can you roller skate? And my husband was listening. I was like, yeah, I can roller skate. Oh. And I had one. He's like, honey, did you just tell them you could roller skate? And I was like, yeah. When I was nine, I used to go to roller skating birthday parties. <laughs> and so then I had to do all kinds of tricks. And it was, yeah, every day I was nervous I was going to break a leg. But, but it was such a good I made show. It. <laughs> yes. Three people did break legs before we opened. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So how did you wish people That's- good luck? But you know that uh, that show uh, it, w- it was fantastic. And how long did that last? Um, I feel like maybe a year. Yeah, um, Rock of Ages I missed. Hmm. Now that how how was that that experience? That was like a. Uh, it was fun in that like I was getting to live out my rock and roll dreams. Right. You know, like I got to perform all these fun eighty songs and sing. But at the same time, I was playing a stripper, and like it felt like I was a stripper, so it was a little demoralizing by the end. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Get me out I of really this got costume. into the character. Yeah, because you're a great actress. <laughs> I just have to say, actor now. I have to be politically. No. That's your show, right? Politically correct. Uh, you can't say that. The show where you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you are because then when I well, well, let's let's see. Catch Me If You Can, all these awards, the Drama Desk Awards, and The Call was the first play? It wasn't the first. The Best Man was the first one that I got to do with Angela Lansbury oh, wow. and James Earl Jones. Uh, but The Call was very close to my heart because that was at Playwrights Horizons, and it was about a family who adopts from Africa, and I adopted my daughters from Africa. Wow. So um, it was very personal. That was that wow at the same time that was i had already adopted my daughters right. and i went in for the audition and i was like yeah i know this yes yes <laughs> um, but yeah. i but i still had to go through you know i had to go on callbacks and things like that but i ended up getting it wonderful yeah and under my skin mm-hmm. then I, but that was uh, i was off broadway right yeah, right yes fun and disaster i i was able to see that and then flipped for mean girls oh yeah that was oh, fantastic thank you. and I didn't even know it was you, and, and I was, uh, you oh, know, no. following you, you know, and then I went, is that Carrie? Who's that? Aww. It was great. The way Let's you pick. defined, this is the, the, you know, the, the, the way you defined the characters. Oh, thank you. And you're so funny. <laughs> Thanks. But it's the acting. It starts with the acting, doesn't it? Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. So, and I have this, like, Oklahoma in Europe. Was that, was that your first professional? That was professional? my first professional job. Yeah, we did the whole show in English. Um, and then we did the finale 
in German. So it was so, we like, oh, Oklahoma Dinefeld, vegan Zickensinch. We just <laughs> learned it. We just learned it in the different languages that we went to. So I learned it in Italian and German. Like, think about it. Oh, Kappa Ella Ab. Like, you had to know. No, does it the fit? Letters? Like, no, how does it, it stand? Fit. As a lyricist, this is intriguing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Back up. You had to learn languages in in in. For well, you had only to learn the, the song Oklahoma, Oklahoma in the oh, different okay, okay, country that we okay. went to. I, I see. That's yeah. That's really. So great. everything else was in English, which wasn't great for comedy when you're in Germany and doing Oklahoma. Right, right. Uh, but it was a fantastic <laughs> experience. Right. Yes. Crazy. You know, they're doing uh, a chorus line in Spain, Antonio Banderas. I keep mentioning it because I'm, I'm so madly in love with him. And what, but what he's doing, and he has uh, given a theater to his birth town, Malaga, and they're opening next month, and he's going to play Zach. And he's so smart. He had He's doing the same thing, but in reverse. They're doing the whole show in Spanish. And then the finale... Um, and it was his idea, one, is in English, because he said everybody will know, and yeah. it scans better. And it scans better, yeah. Than Uno, I guess. Yeah, the translations are tricky. Actually, I have a funny translation story that someone told, I think Rusty Mowry told me, and it's about hairspray, mm -hmm. that when they were translating hairspray into German, there's a line where um, Velma von Tussle, who thinks she's defeated... Uh, Tracy says, you know, you're not getting on the show or whatever. Game, set, match. Oh, yeah. And apparently the translators told them, we don't say that. I was like, you don't say game, set, I wasn't me, but someone said, you yeah. don't say game, set, match. And they're like, no, but we have, we have something else that we can put there. Mm -hmm. So they put this phrase there that means, like, game over, but literally translates as cage closed monkey dead. <gasps> oh! And it's, it's, I just want to make it a thing. I want to make it a thing in English, too. Cage closed, closed monkey, monkey dead. dead. That's yes. so funny. Ooh. And when we translated, when we had Legally Blonde translated into German, we asked those translators, I was like, is this story true? And they're like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And they knew the phrase. I don't even want to ask about that reference. Cage closed monkey yeah. dead. <laughs> was the cage closed first? Like, I don't know if the monkey was dead already or the cage closed somehow. There's, it just it raises so many questions. Yes. As a good lyric should. Another way the theater brings us together. Yes. So I, I, have, I found this, and uh, I think you know it, but it's the way I feel. And I, would just, and I love the fact that it was a, a Times reviewer that said this about you. Miss but, Butler is the rare Broadway ingenue who is as funny as she is pretty, and she sings gloriously, too. Charles Aww. Isherwood. Well, That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and I missed hairspray. I'm glad you didn't read one of the bad ones. <laughs> well, we all had them. Yeah. I can't imagine you having a bad review. It's too, you're too good. Even in hairspray, which I also, I think that was the first time I saw you. Maybe. Yes, and probably. I, and that, that character was so, for a young, I mean, you were young. That, I mean, you're young now, but you were really young. Was that, that... I was the but, oldest one out of out well, of the cast, but yeah, <laughs> it was it was it amazing. Was so, it was so uh, fun unique, and so yeah. unique, and a great. I well, loved it. Great. It was really fun. So Nell, I, I said it before, but congratulations on uh, halftime. I was thrilled oh. to. I love that score. I know. And it's... one of my, the highlights for me uh, of that year, of if if more than a year certainly, 
uh, even now, people are calling me um, because they love the score so much before I even heard it, you know? Yeah, it was wonderful to work and with. And to work yeah. with you and Matthew Sklar, who, the composer, uh, on that new song and, and mix things up and change. I mean, it was like, that's my favorite part, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, being in the yes. room, creating, finding that process that it's hard to find anymore, you know, mm. the time, the luxury of time that we, mm. we used to have, right? Mm. Um, so, yes, so I, this was, I have to refer to my notes. Because I, I didn't know you're, I didn't know, well, you're a composer as well, lyricist and a playwright. Lyricist, librettist. Right. You're a playwright. Librettist is like fancy um, for book writer. So, these are just little, so, Legally Blonde, but mm -hmm. that's what you did with uh, Lawrence O'Keefe, your I husband. I did, yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Tony, Best Original Score, nomination. Nomination, yeah. And then Mean Girls, where you, uh, nomination, Best Lyrics. Uh, because of Winn-Dixie, I've heard so much about this. Yeah, we just did it up at good speed. Right. Um, it was a beautiful production. It's a very sweet, it's a great book, if you don't know the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so it's essentially about Is a, it going to... I don't know where, we, you know, you never we, know where I things know. are going, but, but we were really pleased to have the show we had up there, and it's generated a lot of excitement, so hopefully, yeah. you know, someone will see it at some point. And then, well, all these, all these shows that I've heard about, but I wasn't privy to, to be there at the time, Dave in Washington, Dave in was that the stage. arena stage? That was arena, yeah. yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. yeah. And the Explorers Club. Explorers Club at Manhattan Theater. I Club. loved that. Thank you. I loved that. <laughs> that was fun. That was yeah, just like was letting your kid go out there and, and make that, a show for you. That was, a, that was your, I mean, what, what, the, where did you get that, where did that come, how did that come to you? Because um, I love the subject of it, you know. So the, the original inspiration was um, a friend of mine who's a rather brilliant scientist who had had a lot of struggles uh, being treated as a scientist because she was female. Um, and so she would tell me these crazy stories and, um, you know, so that was kind of the idea. But yeah, The old boys club kind yeah, of Yeah, the old boys club yeah. kind of thing. So I thought if we had a literal old boys club, that would be fun. <laughs> and I've always been a fan of, like, these crazy explorers clubs and uh, the idea of these sort of, um, this period where, uh, science was mostly sort of cheerful, rich dilettantes who would mm, go out mm -hmm. and be like, you know, I found this guy. And raid the tombs. Yes, and exactly, <laughs> and do all this sort of stuff. And they were, you know, sort of lurching towards a scientific reason, but so blinkered by their own yeah. uh, prejudices in a lot of cases and, and just upbringing and stuff like that. And, and which, of course, we all still are, you know, yes, yeah. um, when you do something like science. But so I just thought it would be really, really super fun and... Um, uh, any in a play that had like a bar smack in the center that was very much about cocktail culture was also yes, very. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to and that, fun. yeah, 1879, uh, before yeah. the turn of the century, which is I believe it's 73. Okay, I think. I'd have to list. I don't remember offhand, but it was it was nerdy and fun in every possible way for me. It was like my my steampunk nerdiness. My mm. um, there was also a, just a bunch of incredible stories about women who go into the sciences, there was a very, the name is going to fly right out of my head as I tell you the story, but there was a woman who was a very accomplished mathematician and astronomer, and she wanted to use um, a telescope in Italy that was in a monastery. So she petitioned the Vatican 
so that she could use their telescope. Uh, and they, you know, they said an unaccompanied female with all these men around. <laughs> and they said, well, you can use the telescope, but only during the day. Mm which for those people who do astronomy, yeah. <laughs> it, which is utterly useless. So, been, so they were so concerned about her virtue and the virtue of the monks who presumably Was it really this. the virtue of her? I exactly. Think I, when we think about the scandals we're going with now, she wasn't really Right, she wasn't even, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but but the, I guess the idea of the impropriety well, of this lone mm. woman being surrounded by men. Mm. Yeah, but um, this is what I love about, even in Mean Girls when it came through, you mm -hmm. know, you empower women and girls I mean that—that's that, my thing. It's an—it's yeah. it's a great thing because it—it's an entertainment. You know, you serve it up, but then the message is there, and yeah. uh, so it's like when you think of that. I, I would love to see the day when the empowering is is there, and then there's no threat. Do you know what I mean? When we're the threat of of uh, what is the threat of a woman? Doing what women want to do. What? Where is the threat? It's a that, well, that I mean, power game, you know. Yeah. Well, we have to build a community of women who are comfortable being powerful, and other women who are comfortable being around powerful women. Yes. Yeah. So True. it's like building that community of powerful women enjoying that. So it's not just the that. men mm -hmm. not wanting to keep the. The, the place. Yeah, I, I've, I've been it, thinking a very long time about why we as women surrender our power sort of voluntarily. We are animals and in nature there are just so many species where a male would not think of approaching a female in any way. They would get killed, they would get eaten, yeah. but somehow we as human females have um, dismantled that particular self-preservation self instinct in order to catch a man, I guess, because in nature we would be yeah. like, huh, don't you dare come near us, and we just, <laughs> yeah. and Especially so those mothers, right? Right. Instead, we're looking for legislation to protect us, and it's like asking the fox to protect us. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, so how did she solve? Was the problem solved? Did she? Did she? What my friend? Yeah. Oh, she just uh, she did her work, and she's a brilliant genius. Yeah, you know, yeah. a doctor That's... of physics, astrophysics, and wow. and she's launched satellites for ESA and That's things like the, that. That's the key. Making... Just keep doing yeah. the work, right? But then also, there's other things that come up, like kids and family, and you know. Uh, how does that, that's obviously not something we explored in Explorers Club, but that does change what you're able to do, how you're able to do it, unless you're lucky enough to work with powerful women who say, nope, that's part of it. And I'm that's going to, I'm, if you're going out of town with a show, I'll find you an extra room for your kids to Thank be you. with you. And I'll, yeah. I will make allowances for the fact that the first week of school, you can't have rehearsal because you'll be involved with exactly. that. Exactly. Uh -huh. um, you know, these things can be worked out. Thank and, you. and it's so interesting that what I'm learning, uh, what I meet, thank you very much. Really good last time, too. Um, it, it's like we were talking to Beth Level, and she took time out to have her two kids, I, I believe. And um, you know, lived with that threat of I might I not I might not be able to get back or yeah. you know, backtracking or I, I'm going to miss out or whatever that great opportunity is, and she came back just fine. If you live long enough, I think <laughs> you find that you can. And you had I'm, I'm listening I have to, to <laughs> and oh some God. of the things oh, you were talking oh about when your acting teacher said don't have. Right, my, my acting teacher, Bill Esper. He was great in every other way, but it's Well, he like, was great even yeah, in that. Yeah. He was honest, and it was absolutely true. I was pregnant with my first son during the class, 
and I birthed him and came back and would carry him around in my little fanny pack while I was doing the, the object exercises. He like grew up in Bill's acting class and then he wow. went grew up and took Bill's acting class. And had Bill you was, already had a career at that point? Um, or was this just a career? I'd been on soap operas oh, okay, and yeah, stuff like that, so, so yeah. I'd been working professionally yeah. since I was like 12. And he just said, you know, if you have these, he said, don't have any more. He said, because it takes time to raise a child. And he said, everyone who is coming up with you, they will have progressed in their careers beyond you, and you would just will never catch up. And that is absolutely true. Uh-huh. But I don't regret having my children. No. So I did the jobs that I was supposed to do. And for me, a life has always been more important than a career because a career is not a life. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it cannot sustain you. Yes. <laughs> but also, as an artist, everything you are, you can only act so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Everything you are reflects in, in what you do. Yes. Yeah. And there's, I, I had to take a break. I mean, it was forced, <laughs> but. Uh, when I got really ill, but it was all about not giving myself a, a, a chance to be, you know, to, to enjoy myself mm-hmm. enough, and my body just stopped. But, um, but I think what you're saying is true. But but when you do step back and gather your resources, and then come back to the fold, there's so many opportunities. And now at my age, my gosh. Um, I had no idea I would be working into my 70s. Yes. But I'm, I'm glad for That's it. That's amazing. But you have to also, you have to keep creating the demand too, you know? Mm-hmm. But a life is very important. I mean, to balance, to be able to balance that out, uh, and I was never good, at, I was always struggling to survive. But anyway, yeah. enough about me, as they say. <laughs> um, what do you think but, about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to cover just a couple things with Nell because uh, I, I I wish I had seen this too, and this might be still touring. Uh, Sarah, plain and tall. That you. Oh, is thank that you. No, that is not still running. Okay, but, um, but that got such yeah, good response and um, Dallas Theater Center, and we did that with TheaterWorks USA, which was one of the first um, uh, places to actually hire me to do anything. So I'm very mm-hmm. fond of TheaterWorks USA. Oh, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit, edit. Sorry. That's all right. Um, bon appetit, everyone. Oh, yeah. Bon appetit. You too. Um, and the. And these are interesting facts that, I, for me, they were really interesting, that yeah. you've got all these wonderful, like the Kleban Foundation Award. and The, the Kleban is a very strong reason why, I'm, why I do what I do, because I was lucky enough to win the Kleban, which was both um, enough money to live and finish Sarah, among mm. other shows that I was working on, and do a great deal of work on Explorers Club uh, way back when. But also this... Um, affirmation mm-hmm. that yes. said someone thinks what you do is is good. Yes. Um, that was huge. I'm very grateful to the to yeah. the yeah. and to Ed Kleban for setting it up in the first place many, yeah. many years ago. So yeah. No. He was a great person and a great lyricist. I didn't know him but he's I, I loved him so much and he was the unsung hero I think for a chorus line. Oh his lyrics on that yeah. are astonishing. Yeah. 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 So, and then there was the Jonathan Larson Grant. Award, you know, likewise, yeah. I love the, the support that you can get because people think that when they see us in our, you know, finery and our presentation and our performances that are well rehearsed, they think that life is just great mm-hmm. and we live a carefree glamorous. life. Yes, glamorous. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's just easy, you mm-hmm. know. So we know that's not true. But, <laughs> um, and they want to think that. 
because it's an it's an escape from their own lives. Right. They want to think that there's some other place that yeah. one day they could go and it mm -hmm. would be different. Well, one of the things I love about sharing um, the 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 ups and downs, you know, that we all have the we all go through it. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's wonderful, it's encouraging and inspiring for someone like a younger generation or, you know, women who are struggling with aging, you know, and yeah. then they want to keep singing and, and they've got it. Everything changes. I have a new voice teacher because your chords get thicker. Everything, your body really? changes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can still sing a high C, mm. but, you know. Did you get a lower voice? What? Did you get a lower voice? I did. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah, but I that's like part of the baritone. That's that's yeah. great. But I mean, as a so, non-performer, it's so vocal talk is so interesting to me. <laughs> really? No, it really is because we write musicals, oh. and you just write what you write, and then if it tortures someone, that's not your problem. Um, <laughs> but it's but <laughs> no, it's true. This is the general thought, and and I think there's also been a trend towards much more difficult yeah. scores, particularly for women. So. For me, trying to learn a little bit about how people take care of their voices and what they can and can't do becomes yeah. kind of important because, sure, I could write you this fabulous song, but unless you're Carrie Butler, like it can yes. wreck your voice right. within a month, you know, and that's not what you well, want. You, you know, know but the, you know. the interesting thing, my teacher, Derek uh, Rosenblatt, oh, also works with... He was in my building. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and he works with Alex Brightman. Yes, a lot but, of people. But he was, you know, be, and I went to him because... I said, I started it, you know, I had a light uh, soprano, and I was one of those belters that worked with, actually worked with Ethel Merman, and wow. with before microphones, wow. so I was just, it was all that big, big sound, yeah. and high, you know, but I went to him, and I said, look, I want to be able to keep singing, but I want to be able to blend that, you know, that passage. I want to be able to make it that one voice. Mm -hmm. And so the transition isn't rough, it, that, it, that it goes right up in its place and is, you know, mm -hmm. reflects and everything. Anyway, sorry for all the... No, nope, uh, that's what I said. This but, is interesting to me. And because I wanted to be able not to sing Mean Girls, <laughs> but, you know, that's not, I couldn't do it anyway. But, but to be able to keep singing, you know, mm -hmm. just to be able to keep doing because I love it so much yeah um, but he worked with Alex Brightman and um, I said how when he was in the other the other show the the rock school, uh, of rock school of rock I saw him and I went how does he do that eight times a week I think he can't do that I mean he you know he should have a career he shouldn't be right. this shouldn't be his last show mm -hmm. and uh, he worked out did you know this that they he has filmed? An extra, yeah, to make sure he's he has an healthy. Extra what? They 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 filmed. How did you can help you know, me with this? They scoped him, right? They, for insurance purposes right? too, you know, because in Beetlejuice he does this raspy voice the whole yeah. time. So if yeah. the whole show is on his shoulders and he's out, then right. So they scoped him doing the voice, and he has he doesn't have an extra um, fold. He's a flap that most people don't know how to work. It's not and he on the cords. Can control, it doesn't hurt at all. Right. It's not, it's like, it's right here. It's not on the cords. It's not around the cords. It's like right here. And he has learned or he's yes, adapted. Yes, he trained himself, yeah, to do to, it. So to, he can feel it. So when I guess he can control it. So when you see in the film, and I saw it at Derek's. Oh. <laughs> when you see the film, you see a, nat a, a natural sound where you see the accords approximating. But you saw the right. film of his. <laughs> yes. Of the scope. 
of the scope. <laughs> no, this is astonishing. This is not talking. I thought it was phenomenal because I was really concerned about him because he's such a great <laughs> yes. performer. This is fascinating yeah. too because, like you know, have you ever heard Layla Hathaway who can sing two notes simultaneously? She can. No. She can harmonize with her. She can hit two chords. She can hit two. She can harmonize with herself. That's a cultural wow. thing. And I something. wonder if that she has something like that because it's amazing when you hear her yeah. hitting two notes at the wow. same time. Well, there's a, there's, I, I mean, I actually saw when he was using these muscles and when he wasn't, when it was just the chords approximate his normal voice. And he voice. can choose to do that. And he, oh, there's a, is that. a certain thing, it's like when you have to growl or scream, mm -hmm. like when you have to scream in the, in the script. Yeah. Yeah. I finally learned how to do it. I was losing my voice oh, when yeah, I did Dark Shadows. Yeah. I had to scream all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to, and Larry Blank talked taught me, you know, the music mm -hmm. director, that you have to scream on pitch. Yeah. If you like go for singing. A, if you go for singing. a pitch, then you can scream hit your and get your tongue out of the way. Hit hit <laughs> get your tongue out of the way. You know like right. Instinct when you're scared, you will pull your tongue back. Okay. But so you go ah kind of yeah. <laughs> I don't know if my tongue was out of the way, but I was trying it to did. think about something out of the way. projection. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like if you're in a dangerous situation, that's a better way to scream than the scared way to scream. Because that okay. would actually, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I'm not mugging you. Well, you have the okay. power. You have a voice. Okay. okay. I, I can't wait to get to it. Yeah. But I, I just want to cover, so when you went to, uh, um, I have to have one bite of Please, my, yes. my crab cake. Um, when you went to... After you were here, you went to Harvard and you met your husband at Harvard, and then you went to, after, right? You went to I California. went to college, at, right? Yeah, and I met him there in college. And um, then you guys then, went to um, California and wrote for yes. television for well, we a were, decade. So we both went. I did not write for. I wish I'd written for television <laughs> for a decade. No, I, I went to California. He was there working with the Actors Gang. He was actually working in theater, but he also did um, uh, uh, USC Film Scoring School. Um, and I worked here for a while, and I did graduate school here, and then uh, decided I, I, so, you know, what with college costing what it costs and um, things like that, I did not, I did not think I would be able to make a living writing. So, it, so I loved to do it, but I didn't think I'd be able to do it. So I went into banking. Ooh. And uh, oh, and I did that right. for a while, and I, I did grad school, and then I did banking, wow. and I and it was incredibly interesting, and I met very fascinating people, and they loved what they did, they really loved it. They could watch the markets. I worked mm. on a trading floor, which was super exciting with brilliant people, yeah. and they just would love it, and I did not yeah. love it, and so I thought, well, I could you know I could do well in this. Um, but it's not what I love. Numbers, and that's a whole other part of the, that's a separate part of the brain, I think, because I don't, I, love I certainly don't. Oh, I think numbers very similar to music. Is yes. it? And mm -hmm. language and really? stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's that yeah. different. But, um, but it's more like, you know, I don't know, it's just if you, if you love the problems of how do I say, you know, hedge my risk or, you know, where do I think this is going to go or how do I think this is going to work, then, then you love that problem and mm. you love that game. And if you love the problem of how do I say this in a certain way, that's mm. a different game. Mm -hmm. um, and one that I like better. So. I like the way you put that. Mm. Love the problem. Because I try to tell my kids all the time that life is just learning how to solve problems. And if you want to have a really big life, you have to be willing to accept some really big problems. Yeah, that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, to me, the harder it is to solve, the more fun it is to work on. Mm -hmm. So when people say, you know, oh, you should do this as a musical, 
um, my first thought is, can I see it as a musical already? Is it easy? And if it's easy, I'm less tempted. Yeah. When someone pitches me the weirdest idea That's ever, right. and you're like, that's what I want. Because I, I've of got one for you. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Because of the challenge, too. And it's like sometimes I go, what am I, what am I going to be able to give this, and what is it going to give me? What, what is it? The fear, it's like I've always been most successful when I've walked into the fear. Me, too. Walked forward. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, I'm a, and I'm terrified a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. But it's like, I don't know, it's like a modus operandi at this point. You know, I don't know how else to do it. Otherwise, I'm not interested. Agreed. I get bored or yep. something. If, if it's, there's no challenge, something that I can fail at, I'm not interested in the job. And we want to get better, too, <laughs> don't we? Yeah. Um, I have to, you know, Tina Fey, I'm going to be jumping all over because yeah, I can't sorry. wait. To, jump away. I'm, all, I'm, jump, I'm already in Jelly's Last Jam in my head. <laughs> um, but how was that? that, that you've worked with so many different um, composer, writers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a challenge, isn't it? To, uh, how do you... Uh, well, it depends. A, with, your, my, with my style husband, of working. it's uh, easy because he, he's a genius and, uh, and it's fantastic. The only, the only downside of working with your husband is you can't come home at night and complain about the idiots <laughs> at work. Um, but he is... So that's, you know, we already have a shorthand and we I have the same sense you, of humor. You wrote about, you know, you start... Because I'm curious about... The words come first, the music, everybody's a little different. Everybody's different, yeah. But you start with part of the words, like the first... I start, yes. I mean, you, for us, um, and in most situations, actually, I start with the moment. Um, mm. Because what, what is the moment here where a song will take a character from point A to point B to point C, as opposed to um, a song that will maybe restate an emotion that's already happened, mm. which I don't find so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, so you don't want to keep playing the condition? No, the you know, even right. if you're like, oh, I have a great phrase, or I have a great tune, or I have a great whatever, I kind of feel that for musical theater, unlike for some other kinds of songs like pop or things like that, yeah, it's yeah. not about sitting necessarily in emotion, it's about watching a character make a decision mm. or do something. Like a beginning, uh-huh. a middle, and yes. an end, yeah. a resolve. Right, to say I'm feeling this, is just step one. But to say, mm-hmm. I'm feeling this, so what am I going to do about it, is what kind of grips me when mm-hmm. I'm watching a song. So, uh, so yeah, the moment where we say, okay, this is a big decision, this should be a song, or this is uh, a moment where they're trying to accomplish this, so that should be a song. And then, and then start throwing words out. And I, I like to hand a finished lyric to a composer. That's mm. what I like, because I'm a crazy uh, control freak perfectionist. So <laughs> okay. I like to make sure it's like exactly what... And you're like, fast. That if they did that, it would be... I would be fine with it. Like if they yeah. didn't touch it. Of course, they never don't touch it, particularly yeah. my husband, <laughs> who then returns it in a way that's made it better, which makes me competitive. And then ah! I do another draft oh, into him. <laughs> so we're always kind of throwing our A game at each other. That's but nice, I think, though. I think that makes it better. I'm excited. Yeah. And, and then some things stick and some things you can... Some things fall away yeah, or something yeah. you think is the most brilliant idea ever and then the person that you trust most in the room says, I, I don't even get that joke. And you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, but, but I've also been lucky, not just in working with Larry. I've worked with Jeff Richmond on Mean Girls and he is a brilliant composer. Yes, and he's with also, Tina Fey's husband. Yes, yes. And Tina as well, which I can talk more about in a second, but uh, Tom Kitt and Matt Sklar. Yes, and these, how, that, these, yeah, Matt, I, I'm in love with him, Oh, he's too, wonderful, you know? yeah. I mean, these are but Tom Kitt, that, that's a whole different, was that a different working? 
it's always different because they're yeah, different yeah. people, but these are people steeped in how musicals and music work, and mm. they're the kind of composers that I think are great, which are they have a sense of how, and Duncan Sheik as well, I, yeah. how the words are going to sit on the music and what they're going to do for the show, as opposed to sort of handing you a tune and saying, here's the tune, right. so put, there are put something people in. people of like mind that they yeah. respect the same things. Yeah. Yeah. And, we've, and I feel very comfortable telling them, I find this an interesting idea for a song, or I don't find that an interesting idea for a mm -hmm. song, which doesn't mean it's a bad idea for a song, it's just me personally, I'm not going to generate a good lyric because it bores me. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I actually feel very lucky to have worked with so many different and smart and talented people. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, that's theater. The collaboration is what makes it fun. Yes, rather exactly. Rather than kind of it's going off on your part. own and writing your memoirs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, it's much more fun to be in a room with a bunch of smart, fun people and, and solve the problem and, yeah. than yes. on your own. And that, that, is, that is the best, I think. And, and I, uh, gee, uh, anyway, I, I have to read this quote because this, this jumped out at me. Oh because it has yes. to do with the mean girls, you know, the message that you give to all of your, you know, through all of your work because you care so much about, the, the, as we all do in our work, the human condition, you know, and the theater that brings us all together. And this is uh, one of the, can't read my own writing. <laughs> Very late. Uh, one of the roughest things you can do in life is stand up for someone you have no stake with, mm. and it's the necessary courage to have. Yeah. And that I, I love that. That, yeah. that just went. Oh, that's well. That's hard. That's what it is, right? It's some. You know, maybe you have the courage to stand up for yourself, but yeah. it's when you talk about these bullying situations or situations in mm. school or wherever or you know, in life, in our often very unjust world, the hardest thing to do is to have no stake in someone, to actively know that it will actually hurt you yes, there's to stand a cost, up for that person perhaps, yeah. and still have to yeah. do something. Do the right and thing. And I'm not naturally that person. Mm -hmm. I'm in many ways a very deep coward and I've had <laughs> to make myself something yeah. like that. Yeah. Whereas my daughter, and I, I like she, she's amazing to me. She'll like go up to the people on the playground if there's something going on. She's like a full foot shorter than everybody else. And she's like, he said no. Ah, leave him alone. And I was just like, oh. where does that come from? Mm. And that uh, came from you. I, yeah, I wish, but <laughs> no, well, you're but it obviously also, the love and support. That mm, you no, don't no, just, no, no, no. It comes no, off her right. spirit. It's, it's what she brought spirit. into the world. Right. And I also think it's a changing time. I mean, she was raised with Mean Girls, frankly, right. uh, and and these are the messages that we're putting out there. And uh, you know, I don't know that Mean Girls made her brave, but I do think that Tina Fey and her whole being a woman in comedy world, mm. uh, people like her. Are, are sending the message that like we're going to be who we're going to be and we're going to do it in a way that is decent and mm -hmm. kind and we're going to have comedy that's about making the world better not comedy that's about um, sniping at people and bringing them down we're not going to punch down right. we're going to punch up right I, you know I love my punch gestures yeah. I'm sorry she uh, uh, and I was surprised at this that she in, in a, an article I read said that she didn't want to be the only woman in the room 
the workplace. Now, yeah. I remember hearing stories. I was lucky to work with Nancy Ford and Gretchen Cryer and <laughs> you and uh, Carolyn Lee. I did some TV with her. Oh my gosh. And uh, Dorothy Fields, I never met, but I would hear, I love her lyrics, and I, I heard okay. stories that she was in the day of the old boys club. She was the only woman. Mm -hmm. And she had a, you know, she had a real challenge with that. I think there was, there's certainly a generation where just to get one woman in was incredible. Right, but it's um, better now. Yeah, not, not that much better, I don't, no? I don't think. No. We're working on it. But yeah. Tina, when she told this, she told it, I remember it very vividly, the variety, women in the arts, powerful women. It's one mm -hmm. of those women in, in the title in some way. And she told this great story. Um, and because she's funny, she said, uh, she said that I would be the only woman in the room, and when I would try and hire other women, it would be like I asked to get a cappuccino machine. And they'd be like, oh no, we already have one of those. <laughs> like, we don't need two of those. Oh my God. And, then they, and they said, and God forbid the cappuccino machine was like a little, didn't work so well. And they'd be like, no, 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 we tried that. Cappuccino machines don't work in this situation. And she's like, I will not be the cappuccino machine. Mm. So that's the chant that when I'm, when I'm lucky enough to be considered for a project, I'm like, who can I, who can I bring in with me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's 100% due, I think, to hearing that story from Dina. It's just understanding, oh, wait, because I never thought, I'm like, it's not my responsibility to make sure other that's people. Right. But that's it right. But it is my right. responsibility. It, yes. It, so yeah. that is. Uh, At these times, anyway, yeah. I think. Um, you know, there was, it reminds me of, there was, uh, do you know the, the Cuban pianist, um, Alicia de la Roca. I do not know. She was a great, I mean, I remember my psychiatrist telling me this story <laughs> because we were talking about some of these issues and she was a fantastic pianist and there was this haughty conductor who said, would go around saying, I can always tell when it's a male or female playing uh, on a recording mm. because men are just better. Um, and I don't know if he meant in terms of the strong left mm. hand or whatever. He was just being a misogynist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, the, the whole point of this story and the funny part is that uh, um, he listened to her recording and he said, that is not a woman. That's, mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, there was a very famous situation that happened with a lot of symphony orchestras. Now people audition behind a screen. Right. Uh -huh. So you can't right. tell if it's male oh. or female. And since they started doing that, wow. it has upped the number of women in wow. symphony orchestras. When did yeah. that happen? Uh, I don't know. I read it in one well, of the while ago. It's about well, 10 see, or 15 that's... years. Yeah, like a Malcolm yeah. Gladwell book, like mm, Blink, yeah. I think mm -hmm. I read about it in. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, um, you know, everything we're talking about, I mean, it, it's, uh, you were so compelling to me to see you on stage when I first saw you, Jelly's I feel the same way about you. And when everything you, you are, yeah, oh, thanks. And I would try to dance in my mirror. And last <laughs> night I had been watching because I had missed. Uh, I was out of the country, I think, when you did Caroline or Change, um, and I was watching all the. And you know what? Performances don't always come across on film mm -hmm. with that kind of, you know. Ed and yeah. excitement and everything, but I was so moved by it. Mm. Uh, I think it was maybe the opening night or, the, uh, you know, Carolina Change. Do you, you don't watch those? You don't um, do? No. Okay. <laughs> I understand. I, I have a hard time with it. But uh, it was so, uh, everything I want to be in life. In mm. other words, you, you know, that you're, the power of your conviction, your passion, 
And then to and so I was watch, reading about you and watching all these things. And she all of a sudden she appears last night at Dor Hi. Dory Berenstein's our wonderful producers get together for the the. Um, the, what is it, Broadway, I got Broadway Podcast BroadwayPodcast.com. <laughs> um, and you appeared, and I almost burst into tears because I had so much, uh, you know, new, I, your, your performance was so fresh oh, with thank me. You. Um, so, and Jelly's Last Jam was the first, now that was not your first show. No, Merrily We Roll Along was my first right. Broadway oh. show. Really? Yeah. yeah. The original one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you're being from Chicago. You did some. Did you do? You did some work as in with the Goodman Theater. And um, my very first professional play. I was 16. I did Death and the King's Horseman, the world premiere of Wolesienka's play, and Gregory Mosher directed it. And mm -hmm. I went to the Kennedy Center in my senior year. Wow. Um, and then I booked That's Merrily amazing. We Roll Along when I was 19 over Christmas break of my freshman year at Carnegie Mellon. Because <laughs> everybody was young in that production. That was well, whole... not really. Not really. But. <laughs> That was the press. That was the, that that was was the, the press. press. Okay. <laughs> the things you learn at lunch. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But then, but then, that was kind of going imploding, right? That show they had to make changes, and it, it started one way, and yeah. as does ha does happen. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was at my osteopathic homeopath the other day, and he was explaining to me the history of those two forms of medicine, and he used this word in a way I'd never been used before, which was that it was clairvoyant and I was like oh that's what I am I am clairvoyant and so I remember getting that show and it wasn't going to start for a year before I went to college and I just I didn't ever think that people are like oh you're going to be a star and the show's going to sit and I was like mm, we'll see mm -hmm. you know I just mm -hmm. I don't know I had that kind of feeling and I always dreamed those were the two people I most dreamed of in my life to ever work with Hal Prince and Steve Sondheim oh, wouldn't you so yeah. to get to do that was amazing and I think as weird as it sounds, to watch the two greatest people in the genre fail mm -hmm. was the biggest gift I could have ever gotten because thereafter, failing just didn't mean that anything. It was like, they're great, and they failed, right. and they'll be great again. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, for me, it's like, fail if you're not failing, you're not really trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. You're not failing, you're no, not that's learning. A, yeah. That's a great lesson I to take. I mean, because, uh, yeah, not to have those expectations, too. To focus on what what is important, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I, and I, your next job was what was was that? Oh gosh, I don't know. I've done like nine Broadway shows. Yeah. So, oh, I'm, let me let me refer to my <laughs> after notes. that one. I don't merrily. Then I don't know. We don't have know. a lot in common. Generally, we have maybe. we have Bikram in common too. But I'm Bikram. Uh, uh, yes. yes, the um, um, mm, mm, Caucasian Chalk Circle. Was that the first time you worked with George no. C. Wolf? I met George C. Wolf when I was on the soap opera. I think it was on As the World Turns, and a friend of mine, Keisha Bostic, said, you must meet this man. He's so brilliant. And he was um, in the NYU musical theater program. <gasps> oh, my gosh. So I met him, and I read what would become the Colored Museum, and it was just the most extraordinary writing I'd ever read, and invited him to write my nightclub act at what was then Sweetwaters on uh, Amsterdam Avenue. And so he wrote this nightclub act for me, and it was fantastic, but what it wasn't to me was it wasn't Colored Museum. These crazy characters mm -hmm. who were prescient, and, um, and so I, I thanked him for making this thing, but... I was trying to say, I wish I had some of those crazy characters. And however I explained that to him, he heard it as me attacking his writing. 
and oh. he didn't come see the show and he didn't speak to me for the next seven years during which he became the George yeah. C. Oh Wolf and I couldn't even get an audition for anything <gasps> he had done. Oh my so that you were both Caucasian drawn to each circle. other, obviously. I've worked with him yeah. more than anyone in my career and there's just nobody more thrilling to work with yeah. as an artist. He's also clairvoyant and brilliant and funny and once you've worked with him, he spoiled I, you for life. I just want to work with him so much. I just want to work with yeah, him, and do. I hope I do. You but do. I have to tell you the f funny story. When I, um, when my dear friend Tommy Walsh, we were doing a, he was directing me in a show that I put together, and this is when George first got to the public theater, and I had a meeting set up, and I was really excited but very nervous because I didn't know if I would fit into what he was trying to do there. Mm -hmm. And it, as it turned out, I was right about that. But we get in the office, and you know how those meetings are. I'm very, it's really hard for me to, you know, to talk about what I'm, what, as, you know, do a, what do they call it? Give a, give a good pitch. meeting. Yeah, yeah. pitch. Not, you know, but I sat there, and Tommy was great with me, and, and George is sitting there like this, and he goes, you don't remember me, do you? <laughs> Yeah, and that was my look. That was, I, I just went, oh my God. I've been in my little ego bubble too long. I, I've worked with him? No, I haven't worked with him. And I said, uh, gee, George, I don't know. I, 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 I remind me, and I'm just like fall, falling apart. And he said, I was an apprentice at Williamstown when you were doing uh, Three Penny Opera with Raul Julia. Mm. And I went, an apprentice? First of all, there's so many. There's so many. And no, I didn't remember him. <laughs> and he, you know, because they would do everything. They would sleep in a yeah. house together. They would paint the sets. They would yeah. build the sets. And then they had them as extras. They'd wear mm -hmm. these big monk, you know, brown sacks on their head. And, um, but I thought that, but he had fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a, was it a sort of like a pleasant joke to put your ear, or was it a, power move to sort of put you not at ease. Is no, I just think he was having fun yeah. with it, you know. Uh, no, it wasn't to put me at ease. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. But it's I really... Sort of, it's but, sort of funny that in an, in an industry that's dedicated to communication, there are so many miscommunications yeah. off stage. It's mm. just very But I, I have such respect for him and admire, mm. what, you know, what, what he no, does. Yeah, He's I just a great have my director. career if it weren't but, for him. But, but what I love is that Jelly's Last Jam, which was a phenomenal show with a phenomenal cast, and that was your Tony Award-winning mm -hmm. performance. And uh, the, the what you went through—it's like you've you've talked about it before. But to have that was that a fear? You know, she kept everything kind of like close to the chest. You know, your 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 rehearsals. Um, and when you finally, well, it's a, yeah, it's a little. You were it, being protective, or no, I, I hadn't. As I said, George and I had gone like seven years of not communicating. Right. And then he called me and asked me to come in as a, you know, like to replace someone who was leaving Caucasian Chalk Circle, mm -hmm. which was in mask. We used to call it slaving and gonav, mm -hmm. at the public. And in the middle of that rehearsal, one day he asked me to come over to Susan Birkenhead's house and to read a couple scenes. And all I was given was a couple of scenes, and they were scenes that read like, ba-dum-bum, ba-dum-bum, ba-dum-bum. You know, you can read the comedy on a thing. So I went in, I read the scenes, and I got the ba-dum-bums. And, um, and we were closing that weekend, and, and I was like a Saturday, and like, well, we'd like you to go to uh, L.A. and do this new play, Jelly Slash Jam, at the Taper. 
cool. Like, I'm back in with George C. Wolfe, who is now the George C. Wolfe. And so I didn't read the script until I was on the plane going to L.A. And I was with a, I had a nursing baby with me. And I arrived there, and I know nothing about this. And what I arrived to was a group of people who had been working on the show for several years. Oh. oh and yeah. the girl who had been playing this role in those workshops was now in the chorus. Oh. So this is the room I walk into. <gasps> And, That's a hard one. Right. And also, in the course of reading the play, I realized that this was going to be my first opportunity not to play an ingenue. And so there was the challenge of that. But I was in a cold room. And so not only was I in a cold room, but I was also wanting to do something I'd never done before. So I kind of just didn't do anything in rehearsals. And I'd go home and I'd work it all out. But I was afraid to try anything in rehearsals because I could see everybody looking at me like, why did they hire her? She, you know, she's awful. So there's a lot of criticism in the air. Yeah, you could feel the or, energy. There was yeah. just a lot of judgment. Mm, and I was just like, if I start this and I get one note on it, I just won't have the confidence to commit to what I've dreamed of. And I was like, can I make it to the first, re you know, the first run through, if I can make it to the first run through? The night before the first run through, Mary Bond Davis was having a cabaret oh. on Sunset Boulevard. And uh, George and I's cars arrived at the same time. He didn't tell me this till 10 years later, but he had already decided he was going to fire me the next <gasps> day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But our cars arriving at the same time, he felt he's very spiritual. So he felt like the car arrival at the same time was a sign he should let me get through the first run through. Hmm. And so I, you know, did that first run through and brought in everything I had been dreaming and it was like, you would have thought that would have been a wonderful thing. It was like the shit hit the thing. <laughs> it was like people who had discounted me and dismissed me were pissed that I was now going to be a force to be reckoned with. And it ruined all their plans. <laughs> and so, yeah. But it, I love happy endings to yeah. that story. Because how do you get fired four or five times in one show? I don't know how, I mean, that yeah. is just like, that's a record, that's a world's record. Yeah. I feel like I have a saying that people don't go into theater because they don't like drama, so, like, you, you have <laughs> big personalities, and yeah. if you can get, like, 40% on a stage, you're doing, you're doing yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was big, big personalities, and, you know, some of the things that I went through on that one, I, I don't know if they still, I mean, they probably do still happen today, but I remember, uh, Obababatunde did it in L.A. and Gregory Hines was doing it on Broadway and his wife was producing. So uh, everybody was walking around whispering, ooh, I heard you and Greg are going to do the Kama Sutra on stage. And it was getting me very nervous. And um, I asked one of the men who was an old friend of mine if he would be sure to be in the room with me because I was just nervous about doing this bedroom scene with him. And... Um, we get to that scene, and there's uh, the stage management team. Everybody's men. I'm the only woman in the room. My friend who I'd asked to be in the room wasn't in the room. Mm -hmm. And we're in this room, and then the rumor was also that I was not Gregory's choice. He wanted someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just a lot of awkwardness to go into this scene. And um, I remember that I disassociated. It was the first time I understood what disassociation was. They had brought a four-poster bed set piece in the room. And... Um, I remember Greg and and um, George having this conversation, and I remember leaving my body, and I was like at the top of the four-poster bed, watching myself laughing. I was in horror, and Greg was like, "Quick, so this is the point where I'm a fucker in the ass, and here's where she's gonna be sucking my dick," and I'm just like, ha, 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 waiting to get to the break. 
Whereupon I went and I called my manager and I said, I'm not doing the show. Just let me out of the show. And they put me on a phone with a producer. I'm like, but we need it to be hot. We got to raise $5 million. And I was like, mm. I can't do it. And so I got to be uh, the bad cop. And it became that those, the reason Greg couldn't have what he wanted was because I wouldn't do it. And so literally Greg did not speak to me in public for the entire time we did that show. And it was it was this really clean demarcation because on stage masterful to work with. I mean the play, the chemistry spectacular. As soon as we left that stage, I did not exist. Wow. Wow. Well, I have actually I won't go into it at this point in time. <laughs> experienced that. I know what you're talking about. I do have a reference for that. Mm -hmm. but that you, oh my God. But uh, I, I'm. Did you, know, you and George ever like talk ahead. about what happened? Nope. Wow. Not even to this day. Wow. Really? Never. We, and you would never bring it up. It's, you know, it's so far in the past now, and I survived it, and, you know, it's like one of those, like, I earned my stripe stories, you, yeah. also, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I survived it. But I you, got a Tony and Award. Now what you, yeah, it's, but, you know, but you use all of that so well in your work now. I mean, you work with, uh, you, you're, you volunteer? Is that um, right? I was a For, rape crisis counselor yeah, back so in that, the early 80s, and um, I just... Right now, I'm in the midst of, I have a show that opened last night called Truth and Reconciliation of Women, which was my, uh, it was the most exciting thing. Like, it was as good as winning a Tony. I didn't want to go to sleep after last night because I dreamed this up and I this asked a lot of playwrights and, and, and songwriters to write plays by and about women and the way women oppress one another and then for them to play God and model how that would be healed. So I have over 20 plays and we're doing like seven of them at the tank with songs. Amanda Green and Shayna Talbot wrote this crazy song that ends the evening and uh, yeah so well, I'm interested in women yeah. empowering each other and last night yeah. was that, is it gonna are we gonna yeah tonight again? again I'm like I can't wait it's oh all this God. weekend congratulations um, yeah so that's um, that is my passion yeah. I, I, I host women's circles and I'm interested in in rebuilding the sacred feminine power that uh, has been sublimated and lost and so I do a lot of work that's around the world um, right. about women's power all these are Michael John Lacusa yes. is another spiritual person. Is he? He has. Do you know him? Uh -uh. Mm. I wait, wait. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry about no. that. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid I was going to be the one that happened. Both of us were like, okay, uh, Michael John Lacusa. Um, <laughs> But um, you did the Wild Party with a great, a, another great company, and Michael John Lacusa. That that score, I, I just think he's a, uh, he's it's a genius. An jazz opera. I mean, it, it's just great. But he has, an, and I did it in, in London. Um, it was short-lived, and uh, you know, but it was kind of experimental uh, for this theater. But he came over, and we had. Um, lunch and I don't think I'm speaking out of school but he has he 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 sees people mm -hmm. he sees image he sees like spirits yeah uh -huh. yeah he sees the your aura your oh. aura he, he can see auras. aura oh. and but other things come to him and I said I never oh, that's fantastic <laughs> he said I don't you know bring it out a lot because it scares people yeah. it just you know they they don't mm -hmm. but he um but I had a wonderful session with him because he saw my grandmother. Wow. And he didn't say it was your grandmother, but I knew it was, mm. you know. But he's he's a very special person. Yeah, I, I love Michael John. And he teaches. Music. I've never taught with him, but I, 
Are I you just, teaching at NYU now? I teach at NYU, and I teach at um, National Musical Theater Institute, and I loved what you were saying about how you like to write a story, because that's what I really teach all my students, is that when you come in and do the song, tell us a story. I mean, we know you got a voice, you, mm -hmm. you got the audition, right. but where are you, who are you talking to, what do you want, and as we're tracking the song, are you getting it, are you failing? We want to see the journey of the character through the song. That's that's what we're going to see, and so that's what I teach in my music performance that's classes. That's great, because I find sometimes, especially with younger singers, with great voices, sort of what's out there on The Voice and America's Got Talent, things like that, is just have this incredible voice, which of course is essential and great, but there's just, an art to telling a story in a song. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather um, see a good storyteller than a great too. voice anytime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and of course you can have both, but someone right. has to tell you to have both. Right. And not and just also, sort of like even if sometimes they understand it in theory, the the everything is very and maybe it's our culture, everything is like uh, result oriented. So when you have a wonderful um, I used to teach and I try to teach more, but um, you have an opportunity to work with younger people, younger artists and help them not forget to discover along the way mm -hmm. and not go, you know, take that journey in a mm -hmm. song in a real experienced way and not get for, you know, go for the result of it. There's, yeah. And I think, what, is, what do you think? Is, it, is, is the demand out there in, in our professional theater that you have to go in and be that, you know? I feel like a lot with my students, I teach third year advanced scene study, I think that there's so much about school that still is about getting things right. Mm -hmm. And so th what I found by the time they get to me, they've forgotten the joy of why they went into it. And so what I try to do in the class is I'm like, no, just bring in what excites you. And it takes them a, almost a month to realize that I honestly mean that, that I, I'm not looking, there's no right way. Like I don't believe there's a right way. There's just your way. And you know it's your way because you're excited to get in the room and play with us. And then it's like, you'll show me that way. And I'll be like, okay, now show me another way. Like, what other way might you excited? And so that's how I work with my students. I really try to encourage them to keep finding what about this work is going to sustain you in a career. Because if it's not enjoyable, you're going to leave the business. There's too many other things that aren't the work that will give you a reason to walk away from the work. But if you just can't wait to get out there, mm -hmm. that will sustain you in mm -hmm. this business. It's too hard. It's too yeah. hard. You have to really love it, right? Yeah, you gotta love and it. And also, like, Broadway, I tell students, like, Broadway can't be your goal. Yeah. You have to love doing it and be happy doing it wherever, because so many people get to Broadway and then they're miserable because they, they thought this was going to make them happy yeah. and, and fill some brokenness that will only be healed, you know, on their own. And I always laugh yeah. at people, I'm like, most of these theaters are kind of old and run down. <laughs> the regionals are really yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and eight a week. Let's not forget eight shows a week. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I'm kind of enjoying the concert life at this moment. Oh, yes. Yes. Three shows and then yes. Yes, take a break. Yes. Um, and what you wrote a book. I did. Called Get Over Yourself. Is that for? Is that a, a, a teaching tool? Uh, it is, is that for kids or for all for, of us? It's for adults. It's a. It's a. I, like I said, I don't know what I do, but I feel like our bodies are our laboratory and that we can 
you know, we can ask our bodies and it'll tell us what is going to work for us. So it's a kind of a manual about the ways in which we get in our own way mm. and uh, figuring out how to get out of our way. And a lot of it is about, like, what's your word medicine? What are the things you're saying to yourself and what is that yes. bringing into Did your world? Did you say word? word medicine? Your word medicine. I love yeah, that. I know. That's a great I know. thought. Yeah. You know, I got to go to work versus I get to go to work. Right. You know, that, that bringing like that energy of gratitude. An affirmative way about right. what you do. It's huge. Speaking you know, of being I've, I come up against this all the time with students, but also especially dancers, young dancers, mm -hmm. because to do what they do, you, you have to have a lot of criticism. You have to, you're always reaching for something that's not possible. Mm -hmm. So to keep yourself going, you have to, you know, nothing's good enough. And if you grow up or have that in your, you know, home life at all, there's so much criticism that it stops someone from, you know, it, it, I don't know, it just, it just, it, it reflects everywhere. There's a, I had a student last week who, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's that clairvoyant thing. I can just, I just can energetically you feel people. You intuit something I about intuit that, things yeah. about people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she just was so interesting and I was like you were just really you like to be in control and she could do everything well mm. she could you know bop mop to the sky like she was funny but it was controlled mm -hmm. and I was saying I need you to figure out how to surprise yourself and I really understood that because when I do clown work the clown the funny in the clown is the moment when the clown doesn't know it's that moment of what's next that's the funny and my control freak had learned to make that adjustment so fast that you never got to see that in me, mm. which meant I couldn't be funny because I wasn't allowing myself to be right. in the moment where I didn't where you're know. at a loss. Mm. Exactly. And that's which is why you go see a clown. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to work to let this defense that saved my life go in order to progress in my clown work. So you know? it's a little love mm. you toss yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. A little acceptance. It's right. such a vulnerable and intimate business yeah. that you really want to bring positivity into the room mm -hmm. and you want to be with people who bring positivity in the room and there's so many little ways that you don't like certainly when you're around a writer's table like remember how I said I like to solve the problems mm -hmm. so sometimes I approach an idea or pitch like it's a problem someone will say well what if we did this in act two and my first brain reaction is okay what's that gonna mess up about act mm -hmm. one and how am I gonna change this and, and that and what I realized about myself very late in life was that that was the energy I then put to the person who had just pitched that to me. Mm. That that I would be like, okay, well, what's going to be wrong with that, and what's going to be, you know, there's, there's, so I was just saying no, yeah. basically. But, but when I what I that? meant to say, sorry, was Go just, ahead. or what you should say is, yes, what a good idea. Thank you for pitching it. Thank you for being comfortable for pitching it. Now let's figure it out together. Now and I want to riff on that, please, because I also at this point in my life have uh, given myself the name I am Coyote Medicine. And I okay. feel like I have a thing that you talk about that I do the same thing. I see the big picture. So I'm in the room. I love this collaboration. And everybody puts everything together. And I can see all the holes. So, like, for me, I always want to see my understudy. Because if I think if they're really good, I've got tunnel vision creating it. They see everything I'm doing. They can steal all that. But they see what I don't see because I'm in the tunnel. So then I go see them. I got my stuff. I got their stuff. One of the show-stopping moments I had in Play On came from seeing my understudy. She did something. I went up to her. I said, that was fabulous. I'm stealing it. Watch what I do with it tonight. 
it became a stop the show moment. Wow. So I feel like this thing you're talking about is the same thing I'm talking about. Once I see all the ideas everybody does, I see the holes. And so I feel like that is a very good energy to bring. It's the turtle energy, it's the coyote energy that's just like adding to it. For me, like when someone goes, that's really good, I go, praise sandwich, you're about to give me a criticism. Yes. So like you're, ah. you're saying, that's what you do? Like that's for me, so I'm honey, like, no. And now comes yeah. the I'd rather, part. I like the direct. I don't know, I feel like the first, when someone brings something out of themselves and offers it up as a writer, I just smacked him into the microphone. When someone brings <laughs> something out and offers it up in the room, that's a really vulnerable moment. And yeah. they deserve a little respect for even having mm -hmm. the courage to do that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mean to not give them respect. Mm -hmm. Actually, I respect somebody when I start picking apart their idea because I'm actually engaging right. with yes, them. Yes, right, absolutely. Right. But it doesn't feel that way to the other person. And guess what? We're in a business of collaboration. Yeah. And you should care about the other person's feelings. Right. And you should that's treat them with dignity great. and respect. But it's part of it. It's hard not to be reactive sometimes. Very I have hard. to watch myself yes. all the time. And also, what I think you're talking about is, it's right, it's like, the one arm's length. When you're in it, I I, I believe for me I need a director because I can't at Wait, a certain point in time I can't tell. But when you are able to stand back in that situation and see your understudy, it's like being being able to be objective in spite of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know. So do you purposefully call out to see your understudy? Sometimes. <laughs> I also have been an understudy, so I want them to get to go on. Like, right. it's so miserable and to this, be an understudy. Do you understudy? do this before opening, so then you can have this moment? Of course. Wow. <laughs> I want to see. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So, so fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I... I I'd rather watch someone else than me do it. That's that's my whole thing. So um, I like I, the feeling when I feel that way. I don't like the feeling when I leave and go, oh God, I need to do that because I could do that so much better than that. It's mm. got to happen. I prefer that feeling. Yeah. When I'm like, they were so good. I wow, that's good. that's oh. inspiring. You got inspired. <laughs> I like right? to be inspired by people. So this is something a quote I've, that you said. Okay. Um, tell me if I got this right because I believe this too, that theater is the greatest power. Um, you can, oh my gosh, wait. Oh, from a stage you can, you can uh, integrate in the theater in a way that doesn't ex exist in the world. You can in integrate in terms of, you can be uh, the community reflecting, but explain oh, that a so little So that bit. quote is actually from my Truth and Reconciliation plays. Um, I'm really fascinated by neuroscience and the fact that they know that the brain does not show us the world as it is, it shows us a prediction of the world based on the files that we have. And the only way to change the brain, which is the amygdala, which is where all our emotions are, is through an experience. Mm -hmm. Like, the amygdala does not shift except in response to an experience. And so in creating these plays, I feel like when you're in the theater, it's the only form of entertainment where you're actually having an experience with people. So putting people of different cultures, different generations together, I feel like the audience has an experience of something yeah. that then becomes a file in their mind. So when they get in a situation, they actually have a new file and a new prediction of how that might go. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to do with the Truth it's and Reconciliation. It's fantastic. Place. It's great. And it changes people's yeah. lives. I hope so. Like, uh, very quickly. I, I hope so. You have an experience. You have an experience. Yeah. 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 If you put it out there, it can be real. Right? Yeah. So well, if you yeah. put your ideal out there. I think about it with Sesame Street. Oh, I love Sesame Street. Uh, well, you know, if you put lessons of, like, yeah. kindness and stuff like that out there, 
that becomes part of the culture and people, I don't know, it just gets into your brain, as you said. It gives you a file and you say, if I'm in this situation, maybe I should behave a little more like Grover and a little yeah. less like a complete jerk. Yeah. yeah, Right, so like all of these plays we have, they're women in different situations and in each one, they figure out a way to work it out, you yeah. know? And so I feel like we're modeling that for an audience, that they might have a situation in their life that they couldn't see a path to a working it out and they do in this, and that's so different than most theaters. We really like to put the problem because it's exciting. We love to play the problem, and these plays have the problems. But I was really interested in the solutions as well. Yeah. That's what I asked my my writers for. Fantastic. Well, that matches up with you said something else. I have the worst writing <laughs> <laughs> for my third act or for the rest of my life. I think you said I speak my truth and do whatever I can as an artist for the evolution of social justice. Mm. I said that. Yes. <laughs> It's beautiful. Big words there, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, with or without me, uh, the whole universe is evolving <laughs> towards higher levels of good. And so I want to, as much as possible, hold that as a truth so that that's my contribution, that I'm holding the sacred space and the energy for everything to be good and evolving towards higher and higher levels of mm -hmm. completion. Yeah. That's, you know, and sometimes that's telling someone that something doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> because dissatisfaction right. is the seed of evolution. When we're dissatisfied with something, we want something better, and so we, well, we to make, me, to make like it better. It's like you keep your integrity. You, you, I do. You, it, it, whatever, the cost might be there, but, but you, you make strides. Because we only have ourselves, and the only thing we can fix is ourselves. So um, right. that's the thing I try to tell my students. Like Bill Esper said, if you go into an audition and you did that thing that turned you on, and they didn't hire you, be grateful because they didn't appreciate it and they were going to make you miserable trying to get you to do something else. That's a great way to look yeah, at it. A good way to look at it. Because we don't know why we get hired sometimes yeah. or why we don't get it. You know? Yeah. So can I jump over, just jump, thank you for, I mean that, that is, uh, um, you, one of my questions, I had all these questions but I don't need them obviously. Um, what interests me and I think, I hope, you know, other people listening or watching would, um, how we how we do what we do what sparked the 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 attraction i mean some people are three years old when they start w working professionally really <laughs> well my mom put me into commercials but then she wanted me to have a normal childhood so i stopped yeah for four years. and then i saw annie and i begged her to let me do it again and so yeah I've been doing but, it but that was where do you where, where do you uh, where how did you say to yourself, I want to be an actress. Where did that come from? I just knew, when I saw Annie, I just knew. Oh, but when you were three? No, my mom did that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That was just to get money for college. Oh, oh okay. So nine-year-old nine -year me was when I decided this was what I wanted to do and didn't want to do anything else. Right. After Annie. And you know, I just worked with Annie been, this oh, past weekend. Yeah. Which one? Andrea McCarter. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Well. Listen to her so a lot growing up. <laughs> right, and then and then. Uh, and you know, there, I feel like we probably all at times where we've been like, "That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go be a social worker." Yeah, and, definitely. But then, I think it's uh, important to constantly surrender because then that's when it comes back to you, and you're not like this desperate person. You're like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm meant to do this for a little bit longer." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to quit every year <gasps> in my mind. <sighs> I would honestly say to myself, and I was here alone trying to prove myself to my parents because I, you know, ran away and I had to show them that I could take care of myself and they weren't going to be there. They didn't want me to be doing this. Wow. But I, 
I went, I have no personality for this business. And every year it was so hard. And I thought I have to find something else to do, but nothing else mattered as much. I mean, to, you know, I, so I went to th therapy and then I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> So uh, I want to talk a little bit as we're winding down. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so stimulated by this talk. I want to go out and, and do wonderful things. <laughs> um, what is your podcast okay. about? You're doing all the, the the plays again tonight. Are we going to be able to see it? Uh, uh, come than, come yeah? tonight. Come mm -hmm. tonight. We we we're definitely videoing these, and hopefully uh, we will. They'll broadcast somewhere or stream somewhere. Because I said I've got twenty some plays, and I probably ask you to write something for me. Okay. <laughs> please, please do. I will. I love to write. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would love to have a piece do. of work by you. I yeah, I love *Legally Blonde* so much. I love oh, that movie and you. the musical with such a uh, beautiful execution of that. You know, it's so hard to take things and move them to different genres. But I thought that you did that so expertly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, but you asked me a question. I don't remember what the answer Your podcast. Your podcast. I'm just, oh, I'm, my podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I have opinions <laughs> about things. I have opinions. And uh, people tend to tell me things they've never said before. So um, last year I did like 46 Me Too uh, interviews and, you know, learned a lot of things about what's possible, what is technologically possible. And so I'll be interviewing people and talking about things in the theater that aren't so much the press of the theater and the selling of shows, but really um, intimately talking about what it's like as an artist to work in this business and, uh, you know. Negotiate through uh, yeah, tough things? Yeah, I mean, things? It, people just tell me things that they just don't say. So I. I'm often that voice in the room that's speaking people's truth that they don't say. So mm -hmm. I hope in this interview people will be comfortable enough to speak some of those truths and feel safe. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is a terrible story, but it's kind of funny. Um, my mother suffered from mental illness all her life. Mm -hmm. And this is just to exhibit how people talk when they're with me. And um, one time I went home to visit her and she was talking about the evil entity in the house. And uh, all I knew was I was going to enter into that with her, whatever that was. And I was like, well, if the evil entity is in the house, maybe it would be good if you got out of the house and you could build some strength to uh, manage the evil entity. And so I suggested that we find some residential in-treatment centers and that she could check herself in and check herself out. And that didn't really work for her. But finally, I was able to convince her to go meet someone. And so we did. And I asked to sit in on the intake interview. And so she felt so comfortable in the intake interview with me that when she excused herself to go to the bathroom, the doctor's like, oh, she won't be leaving. So she comes back and she's like, I don't like this place. The doors are locked. I have to go. At which point, it's not in my hands anymore. And so they kept my mother there and she really believed that I had had her committed which I hadn't had anything to do with it. So in order to keep someone, they have to be interviewed by two doctors. And of course, when the next doctor came in, she knew how to say exactly what was mm -hmm. necessary to get out. But just to say that people tend to just be really open when they're with me, and sometimes it gets them committed. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> now I'm having second thoughts about this whole one. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I would, I would go on that show. I would talk to you because you, you make me very comfortable. I, I relate to it. Maybe that's a problem. Well, come on I my have. show. I don't know. Come on my show. But Nell, I mean, so you love writing. I love writing. You're so good 
when, when, was there any moment of inspiration or that changed you, or that, or a mentor that, or you, you had an inclination? Um, how well, the, was there? An, were you young? Um, you I always desire? was writing. I always was reading, and I always was writing. But um, as a kid, as a kid, yeah, mm -hmm. I would write little stories for my classmates. Uh, really? And things like that, yeah. I cast everybody in a long-running soap opera <laughs> um, that I kept in a spiral notebook. Mm. Uh, and people would come and be like, what are we doing this week? What's happening this week? Um, so I, I just enjoyed yeah. doing it. Um, Did you ever, I mean, while you're doing it, and I mean, which is fabulous, it, it would just stay in the back of your mind that you just would keep doing it? Or did you have a projection of what you, I didn't at have a, a certain point in time when, as you were growing up, you know? I didn't ever think that I would be a professional writer. I, you know, you sort of hoped, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I didn't know how that happened. And it was um, actually Larry, um, my husband, Larry O'Keefe, who, when I was, I was working in banking, and uh, he was out in Los Angeles, and he's like, are you going to do this? Mm. And I said, I don't know, you know, I'm making good money, I'm here with my family, you're out in L.A. He's like, you know everybody out here, um, and they're all just trying. And it's like, maybe you should try. Because he was already do doing it. He, yeah, was, he was already doing it. Um, and the fact that he had the confidence in me to say, like, come out, mm. we'll figure it out, um, and, and I bet something will happen for you. Mm. And I didn't actually get a job writing when I got out there. I got a job working for an agency because I didn't know how entertainment worked. And I thought, <clears throat> I still had a very school mindset, which mm -hmm. I have in general, which is figure out what the assignment is and then go and do <laughs> the assignment. And so I was like, okay, I have to figure out how the entertainment industry works, yeah. first of all, that well, statement. Well, that's right. <laughs> um, and then, that's a great way to do it. That's very clever. Right. So I, was, so I said, how do, you, how do you learn? And they're like, oh, go work for an agency. So I worked for the charming psychopaths at that agency for some mm -hmm. time and realized nobody really does know how this industry mm. works. Um, William Goldman's My Favorite Book, Nobody Knows Anything. Or, <laughs> is that no. the name of it? Is that what no, that's a byline. The, the screen trade? The, the screen, yes. And, the, my, and I underlined every time he said that, which was a couple times, nobody yeah. knows anything. Mm. And I thought, that's, you can apply that to just about everything. To just everything. about anything, yeah. So, but the good news about nobody knowing anything is that if you make your own path with some sense, if you, if you literally say, everybody follow me, People will generally do it yeah. if you just project enough confidence. Now, usually that's a terrible thing. It's a cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes to say, we're going to go this way because it's going to be a good way to go, and people come with you, and there's, there, you know, I have you a can use it This reminds me of a very funny story, I have to tell you. We're probably keeping the waiters up, but um, my, I have that. It's a survival thing with me when I came here so young. Um, that I had to act, I felt, it just fell into it, like I knew what I was doing all mm -hmm, the time, mm -hmm. so that I would walk with purpose, so that people, you know, some guy, you know, homeless man wouldn't kind of creep around and say, what do you, you want to sit down yeah. for a minute? Oh. Um, I had to walk with purpose, never make eye contact, and it just, I fell into this th instinctually. And um, so, I didn't even know I had it as much as I did, but my sister and I went on, on a vacation in St. Martinique, I think, and in this beautiful, you know, place, a villa, and there's a pool, and and we're out when, and it's a bonding, a sister bonding, mm -hmm. and, because uh, I left home, and 
uh, and we're having a great time and, and she's my little sister, five years younger, and she said and she's going to dive in with the two of us at the pool at night after dinner. It was just lovely. And she goes, is this the deep end? And I said, sure. <laughs> and she dove in and it <gasps> wasn't the deep end. Oh my God. I know. And, and came up and, like very quickly and I'm sitting there in shock, horror. And she said, you said it was the deep end. <gasps> oh, Luckily, she was talking. And I said, you're listening to me? No. And, I, and I went, that's when I, I started waking up a little bit and going, I have to like really pay attention. Mm. Um, when going to Paris for the first time, I would get out of the car, never been there before, and I started walking. Like I knew where I was going. And, and my friend said, Donna, we're going this way. Where, where are you going? I went, oh, I thought it was this way. I mean. It's a. It's something that I, I don't do anymore. But, that, but anyway, yeah, but it protected yeah. you. It protected you for a long time. Yeah. Just move with purpose, regardless yeah, of yeah. where you're going. That's right. I wanted to jump on your writing story because yeah. I did that as a kid. I used to write when I was like I wrote my first novel when I was like six, and I kept writing. And I went to a small school of like 35 kids that we all went from first grade to eighth together, and so by the time we got to fourth grade, I would be handing out. The you know people section so they find out it was it was a story about when we grew up we were going to go on this uh, reunion and it was kind of like the last of Sheila but everybody was getting raped and murdered and stuff like that because I love horror <laughs> and my fourth grade teacher found uh, saw somebody with it and she collected all of the pieces and it was something I'd hunt and pecked on a typewriter so there was only one copy in existence and she stood up in front of the class and she ripped it to shreds and threw it in one of those big mm. gray garbage cans and I then went home and destroyed all my paintings all my oh. art I destroyed oh, everything that, that I had done creatively and it you know it's taken a lifetime to yeah. get mm. back to trusting well, you know yeah. my writing mm. that's yeah. again affirmation yeah it's such a small thing to put out there but it has such a big impact yeah. mm -hmm. My husband saying, I think you can make it. Yeah. What did that cost him? Two seconds of his time, and it changed my life. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really... Support. And that's yeah. what I meant about when someone throws an idea out, trying not to automatically look at them and be like, well, what's the problem with your idea? To be like, okay. Even if you think <laughs> it's like great. the worst idea ever, and be like, how is it not the worst idea ever? Yeah. Because it might not be. Right. And certainly it will mean a lot to that person if you engage. Yeah. I, I just feel like <laughs> if a small effort yields a big reward, yes, yes. make it. And that I, I, I want to thank you all mm. for being here. And I'm going to get this to go because I couldn't be <laughs> yeah, fascinated. No. Yeah. But, so we don't have the champagne, but I want to... The champagne? Oh, Ooh. I, we, we have water, but it's, uh, we're oh, not uh, superstitious, uh, are we? I just uh, want to do a toast and say thank you for right. coming. And thank you. Here's to us, onward and upward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Cheers. Yeah. Look, in yeah. Chin -chin. Look in the eyes. Look in the eyes. Look in the eyes. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now. And get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org. Because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.